Manna or Meatloaf, Episode 5, Mother's Day. Hello, hello. Do you remember a few weeks ago when I asked you to record your emotions and the experiences you're having with the Spirit of God as a way to help you listen? Well, I've had many of you tell me that you're still doing that and that you never realized what thoughts were kicking around in your head. So keep it up. It will prove very helpful next week. And guys, if you're beginning to feel like this podcast is only for women, just remember, June holds Father's Day. Wink, wink. (laughs) Okay, are you ready to continue our celebration of you? And since today is Mother's Day, I want to give a special shout out to all you mothers and those who haven't born children yet, or maybe even ever, but still have the loveliest of mother hearts. Mothers come in every shape and size, every skill level, and desire to hone their craft. Mothers come with every size of hearts and hopes. But there is one thing they all share, and that is their ability to influence, shape lives, and teach. Teach every single day for the rest of your life. No tenure, overtime, or vacation days. Whether you teach intentionally or by default, those that have made us mothers are always watching and always learning from everything we do and say. Andy Stanley said, Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. This Mother's Day, I'd like to take a stroll down memory lane. You see, I have a knack for taking notes. At any given time, you can find at least 10 blank books or cute notepads laying around in my house. I especially like taking notes on those I admire and look up to, and I don't hesitate telling them that I'm doing it. So today, I want to celebrate you, you moms that have inspired me, and I encourage you out there to recall the notes you've taken written or not, and share them with those moms that have taught and influenced you. So here we go. Oh, the early years. (laughs) You know the ones. Pre-pregnancy, when you actually believed that your future children would be all the things and never do any of the things. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Then one day you realize you're going to be a mother. Nothing could have prepared you for the ride you're going on, and you would probably never feel adequately equipped again. (laughs) One of my favorite books as a young mother was called A Joyful Mother of Children, written by Linda Iyer. She captures the idyllic moment as a mother herself, holding her new baby, their seventh child, then only 28 days old, gazing deeply into his eyes. She described, quote, I couldn't help but feel the same awe I had felt with the first and with everyone in between. It was just at the point in time when the glaze was beginning to clear from his eyes and he had stopped seeing the angels and started seeing us. End quote. Isn't that beautiful? No, there's nothing quite like holding those newborn babies and realizing with immense clarity what the family, a proclamation to the world, so clearly outlines that mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children. What a task. It is certainly not one that ever relents or dissipates, but rather one that changes and deepens as both these precious babies and their mamas grow. Ida J. Lashan said, quote, A new baby is like the beginning of all things, wonder, hope, and a dream of possibilities, end quote. 
I can still remember loading our beautiful firstborn, a daughter, into the car seat of our Buick 30 years ago. It seemed to take us absolutely forever to get that buckle done up on her car seat. And then driving off into the sunset with my husband and I looking at each other with vacant stares that seemed to say, well, here goes anything, right? (laughs) Now I look at our youngest daughter, Allie, who just started down this road of motherhood about eight months ago. My notes on her would say, Allie is such a natural and she's taking this all in stride. That baby boy feels it and is the happiest little guy because of the joy she finds in being his mom. The other baby right now in our lives is our sixth grandchild. Our oldest son and his sweet wife just gave their three-year-old daughter a strapping little brother. And I'm reminded again how truly angelic those fresh from heaven really are. Holding them just seems to heal your soul, doesn't it? Heather is such a conscientious mother who nurtures imagination and empowers her daughter with a voice. I'm grateful for the things her mother Ellen has taught her about working hard and doing it all. I'm not going to forget about our sweet Abby. Oprah Winfrey said that biology is the least trait that makes a mother. If that's the case, then Willie is an awful lucky pup. (laughs) And when motherhood does transition for her, she's had a wonderful example to learn from in her mother, Tiffany. Sherry L. Dew said, Few of us will ever reach our potential without the nurturing of both the mother who bore us and the mothers who bear with us. As we continue strolling down this little lane, I remember the crazy years of little kids between the ages of 1 and 10. Doug was in medical school, and I was serving in various church callings and trying to run my own home-based business. And to be honest, a lot of those years are kind of a blur. It's a good thing for pictures. And boy, do they ever paint a thousand words. The mother of young children is the mother who is earning her wings. She's the one who may feel like she's disappearing for a time into a new dimension of the exhausted walking dead. The unorganized, cluttered world of keeping little humans alive when all they seem intent on doing is things differently. It's a world where our goal of having a house so clean you could eat from the floors becomes a reality as you sadly realize there's enough Cheerios under the table, stale bread slices behind the couch, and leftover Halloween candy everywhere to last the kids for a week. That reminds me of my darling little sister who said, not entirely joking, seriously, those dang kids want to eat again. I just fed them yesterday. The funniest story of a mother of young children was told to me in a grocery store by another shopper. At the time, it didn't seem that funny at all, given the fact that my own toddler was brewing under the surface and ready to blow. And this sweet older lady was oblivious to the oncoming storm and seemed intent on sharing every single detail of this story. It was darling, and she was really trying to encourage me. But it went like this. A mother of young children was at the grocery store gathering essentials that couldn't be put off till dad got home. She had a couple of kids in the basket, quietly reading books, and a very unhappy toddler belted into the seat. The toddler was increasing in both volume and decibels as this poor mother, who, let's be honest, could have been any one of us, tried to console her, distract her, bribe her, all with no luck. It appeared that a full-blown temper tantrum was ensuing. 
This struggling young mom was holding on by the hair of her chinny-chin-chin, but could be heard speaking quietly to her daughter as they wound around each aisle, saying, Nancy, we're almost there. As soon as we get to the car, you can break down and cry. But please, please, just hold it together just a few minutes longer. Well, as she hurriedly moved into the short but disgruntled line of shoppers, one kindly gentleman behind her, who was trying to encourage her, said, I can't help notice how calmly and kindly you spoke to your little Nancy. Despite her very obvious unhappiness, as a giant tear spilled over the rim of this exasperated little mom's eye, she calmly said, Oh, my daughter is Olivia. I'm Nancy. I love that story, and I totally paraphrased what I remember him saying, but it has been one of the funniest and favorite stories that I remember because it's so true, right? Our oldest daughter, B, is in the throes of raising a young family right now, and I remember just how hard that can be. My notes on her read, she is teaching her children that the sky is the limit, and there's nothing they can't accomplish with enough grit and determination, and also to never be afraid or restricted by limiting beliefs. What a gift to them. Donna Ball said, Motherhood is a choice you make every day to put someone else's happiness and well-being ahead of your own, to teach the hard lessons, to do the right thing, even when you're not sure what the right thing is, and to forgive yourself over and over again for doing everything wrong. (laughs) I love that. Oh, I loved having teenagers next in our home. It was such a treat to realize that Not only did I love them, but more importantly, I really liked them. Not every single day, let's be honest, but I remember thinking often that even if they weren't my kids, I'd want to be around them just because they were really great young people. I tried to be just like my mom. She always had an open door and treats for anyone's friends that just happened to tag along. And I did say I tried because I obviously didn't always master it. (laughs) I could spend a lot more time bragging at my mom even more than I did the other day. But my favorite thing about her is that she played with us. She played with us all the time. I can still see my mom and dad on a tube when they were in their early 60s, fully clothed, zipping around Hepkin Lake behind a boat, laughing their heads off. That reminds me of the example of a young mother just the other day that jumped into a lake also fully clothed to surf. You guys, this is northern Utah where the water is still freezing. I love the fact that she showed her kids that moms can and should have fun too. Another example of great fun is my baby sister Heidi, who is also a master at playing with her kids. She's been known to rock a ripstick, aerial yoga, ultimate frisbee, mountain bike, and rock climb. Such an overachiever, whatever. (laughs) And then there's my younger sister Julie, who is such a wonderful example of the emotional strength of a woman. She is a really strong Alaskan woman who can do anything, and she sets that example for all of her children who are becoming the same. We married three of our four children off within 14 months of each other, and so we've been empty nesters for about three years now. And at first I really struggled, and not because I don't adore my hubby and love being around him, but all of a sudden my kids had other priorities and other people to account to. I wasn't needed in the same way, and my heart and my house felt a little bit empty until those grandbabies started coming. And that, my friends, will be a podcast of 
of its own, <laughs> I have just begun to realize that the reason we love these grandbabies so utterly and completely is that they are an extension of our kids. And all the love we used to dump into them in terms of time, effort, and emotional, physical, and spiritual energy, we can now filter into their offspring. Oh, how I adore those kiddos. They say that your children are your rainbows and your grandchildren are your pot of gold. Well, they weren't kidding. <laughs> Jill Churchill said there's no one way to be a perfect mother and a million ways to be a good one. I love that. I'm fortunate to have friends that continuously exemplify motherhood and share in the joy or commiserate with me depending on the day or the occasion. Lana, for example, taught me that I don't have to make everything all better that a mother's heart is always capable of adapting, and that a sense of humor goes a long way. She learned that from her darling mother. We knew her as Betty. She taught that grace, charm, and class can't be bought, but if you're shopping, it doesn't hurt to check at Dye's Boutique. <laughs> Sammy always goes above and beyond. A party for everything. Easter egg hunts, Halloween parties, and costumes, among other things. She is the epitome of, if you're going to do it right, do it big. Bob always leads with love. I've seen it with her young women and everyone who knows her. As the memories of young motherhood begin to lose focus and grandchildren and then great-grandchildren come into the picture, I'm still taking notes because that great-grandchildren stage will, I guess, be the next one I'm approaching. Motherhood is not a hobby. It's a calling. It is not something you do if you can squeeze the time in. It is what God gave you time for. Rachel Jankovic, I love that quote, to my wonderful mother-in-law who continues to teach by word and example that you can never be too proud to beg the Lord for what you need and that you can wholeheartedly rely on priesthood blessings. She is a wonderful example of faith to all of us. My goodness, Jessica, Nicole, Shar, DeRue, Sue, Jody, my Aunt Ruth, Aunt Judy, they're all such strong, capable women who mother their children and nurture those who aren't even theirs, including me and my family. They've all been wonderful at teaching me. I'm also going to throw out my love for the mothers of our son-in-laws. They are lovely women who taught these men well. Now, to those who may not be moms, I love the example that Sherry Dew, among others, have set. She has never born children, but continues to remind us all that, quote, motherhood is more than bearing children. It is the essence of who we are as women, end quote. Man, I want to be just like her when I grow up. I could spend hours listing the traits that I've seen so perfectly executed by others, and I wish I could mention them all and the people that possess them, but now I want to wrap it up by reading part of a letter to you. Doug, you see, is currently serving in the bishopric of a YSA ward. Celebrating Mother's Day in a young single adult ward is always a bit tricky, so this year they sent out a letter with a small gift card to each of the women, and it touched me so deeply that I'd like to share it. In researching this dialogue, I need to give complete Complete credit to Heather Farrell, the author, and Wendy Speak for distributing it. It goes like this, quote, Have you ever noticed how in the scriptures men are always going up into the mountains to commune with God? Yet in the scriptures, we hardly ever hear of women going to the mountains, and we know why, right? Because the women were too busy keeping life going. They couldn't abandon babies, meals, homes, fires, gardens, and a thousand responsibilities to make the climb into the mountains. I was complaining about this to a friend the other day, saying that even as a modern woman, I feel like I'm never 
free enough from my responsibilities, never in a quiet enough or holy enough spot, to have the type of communion I want with God. Her response floored me. That is why God comes to women. Men have to climb the mountains to meet God, but God comes to women wherever they are, she said. I have been pondering on her words for weeks and have searched my scriptures to see that what she said is true. God does indeed come to women where they are, when they are doing their ordinary, everyday work. He meets them at the wells where they draw water for their families, in their homes, in their kitchens, in their gardens. He comes to them as they sit beside sick beds, as they give birth, care for the elderly, and perform necessary mourning and burial rites. Even the women at the empty tomb, who were the first to witness Christ's resurrection, were only there because they were doing the womanly chore of properly preparing Christ's body for burial. In this seemingly mundane and ordinary task, these women found themselves face to face with divinity. So if, like me, you ever start to bemoan the fact that you don't have that much time to spend in the mountains with God as you would like— Remember, God comes to women. He knows where we are and the burdens we carry. He sees us. If we open our eyes and our hearts, we will see Him even in the most ordinary places and in the most ordinary things. End quote. That touched me so deeply. And that's what I hope you remember when you're trying to keep the important things important. On that note, everyone have a wonderful Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. 